Chapter thirty two of Finn the Wolfhound by Alec John Dawson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty two In the Last Ditch. It was in the midst of the pitiless heat which comes a couple of hours after midday and is harder to bear than the blaze of high noon that the man who was heading due east abandoned his swag he had rested for the better part of an hour directly after noon and had two mouthfuls from his water-bottle one before and one after his rest while he rested the half-pack headed by finn and warrigal had rested also and more completely hidden away in the scrub a quarter of a mile and more from the man whose trail they followed two of them warrigal and another watched with a good deal of interest the burial of the swag beneath a drought-seared solitary iron bark no sooner was the man out of sight he walked slowly and with a somewhat staggering gait now than the pack unearthed his swag with quick vicious strokes of their feet and laid it bare to the full blaze of the afternoon sunlight in a few moments they had its canvas cover torn to ribbons and bitter was their disappointment when they came to turn over its jagged mineral contents between their muzzles and discovered that even they could eat none of this rubbish it is fair to suppose that within a couple of hours of this the man finally lost the brave remnant of hope with which he had set out that day the pack did not reason about this but they felt it as plainly as any human observer could have done and the realization brought great satisfaction to each one of them it was not that they bore the faintest sort of malice against the man or cherished any cruel feeling for him whatever he was food they were starving and this evident loss of mastery of himself brought food nearer to the pack the man's course was erratic now he tacked like a vessel sailing in the wind's eye and his trail was altered by the fact that his feet were dragged over the ground instead of being planted firmly upon it with each stride he took the pack were not alone in their recognition of the man's sorry plight he was followed now by no fewer than seven carrion crows big black evil-looking birds who circled in the air behind and above him swooping sometimes to within twenty or thirty feet of his head and cawing at him in a half-threatening half-pleading manner while their bright hard eyes watched his eyes avidly and their shiny beaks opened and shut continually to admit of hoarse cries the pack resented the presence of the crows but were well aware that when the time came these harbingers of death could be put to flight in a moment when darkness fell the man lighted no fire this evening but neither did he lie down he sat with his back against a tree trunk and his legs outstretched and now and again sounds came from his lips which while not threatening were certainly not cries for mercy and therefore in the pack's eyes not signals for an attack the man life was apparently strong in him yet for he sometimes flung his arms about and struck at the earth with the long tough stick which he carried all day the pack when they had unsuccessfully scoured every inch of the ground within a mile of the man for food drew in closer for the night's watch than they had ventured on the previous night when there had been two men and a fire but finn showed a kind of reserve in this he lay behind a bush and farther from the man than any of the rest of the pack he wanted food 
he needed it more bitterly perhaps than any of the others but all his instincts went against regarding man himself as food though man's neighbourhood suggested the presence of food and instinct aside finn hated the proximity of humans the man slept only in broken snatches during this night while he slept warrigal and the others except finn crept in a little closer but when he turned or waved one arm or when sounds came from his lips as they frequently did then the dingoes would slink backward into the scrub with lips updrawn and silent snarls wrinkling their nostrils towards dawn warrigal set up a long howl and at that the man woke up with a great start to sleep no more presently others of the pack followed warrigal's lead and staggering to his feet the man moved forward three steps and flung a piece of rotten wood in the direction from which the howls came warrigal and her mates retreated for the better part of a hundred yards snarling aloud not from fierceness but in a kind of wistful disappointment at finding the man still capable of so much action and by so much the farther from reaching them as food the man's shout of anger and defiance reached finn's ears and thrilled the wolfhound to the marrow the voice of man in anger he had not heard it since the night of his being driven out from the boundary riders camp the memories which it aroused in him were all without exception of man's tyranny and cruelty and of his own suffering at man's hands he growled low in his throat but very fiercely and yet with it all what thrilled him so was not mere anger or bitterness or resentment it was more than all that it was the warring within him of inherited respect for man's authority with acquired wildness with his acquired freedom of the wild folk the conflict of instinct and emotions in finn was so ardent as almost to overcome consciousness of the great hunger which was his real master at this time the furious hunger which had made him chew savagely at the tough fibre of a dry root held between his two forepaws but the man had taken only three steps and when he sank down to the earth again it was not in the place he had occupied before he lay down where he had stood when he threw the billet of wood and there was that in the manner of his lying down which boded ill for his future activity it was observed most carefully by three of the crows who had followed him all day and upon the strength of it they settled within a dozen paces of his recumbent figure with an air which seemed to say plainly that they could afford a little more patience now since they would not have long to wait when full daylight came warrigal and her mates were closer in than ever hidden in the scrub within forty paces of the man finn retained his old place some five and thirty yards farther back behind a bush the crows preened their funereal plumage and waited full of bright-eyed expectancy finn gnawed bitterly at his dry fragment of scrub root the splendid pitiless sun climbed slowly clear of its bed on the horizon thrusting up long keen blades of heat and light to herald the coming of another blazing day in the long drought presently a long spear of the new day's light thrust its point between the man's curved arm and his face he turned on his side so that he faced the sun and evidently its message to him was that he must be up and doing that he must proceed with his journey 
slowly and with painful effort he rose as far as his knees and then with a groan drooped down to earth again on his side the crows cocked their heads sideways at him they seemed full of brightness and life but the sun himself was not more pitiless than the question they seemed to be putting to the man as they perked their heads from side to side while considering his last move warrigal and her mates saw clearly the conclusion the crows had arrived at they also held that the man was down for good at last at length it seemed to them he was practically nothing else than food the man mastery whose emblem is man's erectness or power to stand erect was gone for ever they thought the crows were safe guides and one of them was hopping gravely toward the back of the man warrigal followed by five of her mates crept slowly forward through the scrub and saliva was hanging like icicles from their parted jaws finn saw warrigal's movement and knew precisely what it portended with as much certainty as though his mate had explained it all to him and now finn was possessed by two opposing inclinations both terribly strong upon the one hand instinctive respect for man's authority and acquired dislike of man and all his works bade the great wolfhound remain where he was upon the other hand two forces impelled him to rise and join his mate and those two forces were the greatest hunger he had ever known and the assertive pride of his leadership of the pack there before his eyes his section of the pack was advancing preparing for a kill for food there in that bitter desert of starvation and he the unquestioned master and leader of the pack master of all the wild kindred that he knew he finn was three seconds later and the wolfhound had bounded forward his great shoulders thrusting angrily between warrigal and the big male dingo who had dared to usurp his finn's place there as leader in concerted action for an instant the pack paused no more than a score of paces distant from the man's shoulders glaring uneasily then the man moved raising his body slightly upon one elbow the dingoes drew back a pace even warrigal moving back with them though she snarled savagely in doing so finn did not move warrigal's snarl it was which told the man of his danger and with an effort he rose upon his knees and grabbed at his long stick where it lay on the ground again warrigal snarled less than a yard from finn's ears and her snarl was the snarl which announces a kill it was not for others to kill where finn led and yet something he could not tell what since he knew nothing of heredity something held the great wolfhound's muscles relaxed he could not take the leap which was wont to precede killing with him again warrigal snarled the man was rising to his feet a great fear of being shamed was upon finn with that snarl in his ears advance was a necessity he moved forward quickly but without a spring and in that instant the man having actually got upon his feet swung around toward the pack with his long stick uplifted and finn gathered his hindquarters under him for the leap which should end this hunting this long strange hunting in a desert of starvation the wolfhound actually did spring his four feet left the ground 
but with a shock which jarred every nerve and muscle in his great frame they returned to earth again practically upon the exact spots they had left his sense of smell never remarkable for its acuteness in detail had told finn nothing save that his quarry in this strange hunting was man but the wolfhound's eyes could not mislead him and in the instant of his suddenly arrested spring the spring which it had taken every particle of strength in his great body to check he had known with a sudden revulsion of feeling which positively stopped the beating of his heart that this man the pack had trailed was none other than the man of all the world for him the man whose person was as sacred as his will to finn the master whose loss had been the beginning and the cause of all the troubles the wolfhound had ever known there had been the beginning of the killing snarl in finn's throat when he sprang and as he came to earth again at the man's feet possessed and almost paralyzed by his amazing discovery that snarl had ended in as curious a cry as ever left the throat of four-footed folk since the world began it was not a bark this cry still less a snarl or growl and it could not have been called a howl it was more like human speech than that of the wild people and human or animal there was no mistaking it for anything less than soul speech it welled up into the morning air from the very centre of that in which finn must be called his soul the something which differentiated him from every other living thing on earth and made him finn and in that same instant too recognition came to the master and he knew his huge assailant to be no creature of the wild no giant wolf or dingo but the beloved wolfhound of his own breeding and most careful loving rearing it was from some central recess of his own personality that the master's cry of finn boy answered the strange cry with which the wolfhound came to earth at his feet but behind them was the pack and in the pack's eyes what had happened was that their leader had missed his kill that fear had broken his spring off short and that now he was at the mercy of the man who a moment before had been mere food for a dingo no other task not even the gnawing off of a limb caught in a trap could require quite so much sheer courage as the attacking of man in the open man erect and unafraid but warrigal had never in her life lacked courage and now behind her courage and her devotion to her mate there was hunger red-toothed and slavering in her ears hunger burning like a live coal in her heart hunger stretching her jaws for killing with an eagerness and a ferocity which could not be denied in the next instant warrigal had flown at the man's right shoulder with a fierce snarl which called those of her kind who were not cowards to follow her or be forever accursed warrigal's white fangs slashed down the man's coat-sleeve and left lines of skin and blood where the cloth gave for one moment finn hesitated warrigal was his good mate the mother of his dead children his loving companion by day and night during long months past she concentrated in her own person all the best of his kinship with the wild there was mateship and comradeship between them as against all this warrigal's fangs had fastened upon the sacred flesh 
of the master of the man of all the world who stood for everything that was best in finn's two thousand years old inheritance of intercourse with and devotion to human friends next instant and even as the biggest male dingo of the pack flew at the man's other side finn pinned his mate to earth and with one tremendous crunch of his huge jaws severed her juggler vein and set her life's blood running over the parched earth in that moment the pack awoke to realization of the strange thing that had befallen them they had been seven pitted against a single man and he apparently in the act of ceasing to be a wrecked man and becoming mere food now they were five for warrigal's life ebbed quickly from her pitted against a man wakened to erectness and hostility and their own great leader the great wolf who had slain lupus their old fierce master and even tasman his terrible sire it is certain that at another time the pack would not have hesitated for one moment about turning tail and fleeing that place of strange unnatural happenings but this was no ordinary time they were mad with hunger blood was flowing out upon the earth before them one of them had the taste of man's blood on his foaming lips this was not a tracking or a killing in prospect but a fight in progress the pack would never turn tail alive from that fight the man had his back to the withered iron bark now and besides the long stick in his right hand he held an open knife in his left hand as a long fierce bitch found to her cost when she leaped for his throat fell short and felt cold steel bite deep in her flank as she sank to earth and now the great wolfhound warmed to his work with a fire of zeal which mere hunger itself could not have lit within him he was fighting now as never before since his fangs met in his first kill in faraway sussex he was fighting for the life of the master love of whom long quiescent in him welled up in him now a warm tide of new blood which gave strength to his gaunt limbs and weight to his emaciated frame such as they had never known when he fought full fed with lupus or with tasman on the rocky side of mount desolation a tiger could hardly have evaded him his onslaught was at once terrible and swift as forked lightning it seemed he slashed and tore in five separate directions at one and the same time but that was only because his jaws flashed from one dingo's body to another with such rapidity that the passage between could not be followed by the eye this meant that his fangs could not be driven deep enough for instant killing there was not time but they went deep none the less and blood streamed now from the necks and shoulders of the dingoes that succeeded one another in springing at the man and the wolfhound two of the dingoes owed their deaths to the long knife-blade of the man but even as the second of them received the steel to the hilt below his chest-bones the man sank utterly exhausted and bleeding freely on his knees and from there to the ground itself this drew the attention of the three surviving dingoes from the leader who in some mysterious manner had become an enemy to the fallen man who was now clearly a kill mere hunger desperate hunger was uppermost in the minds of the three they quested flesh and blood from the kill that lay helpless before them it was then that finn outdid himself 
it was then that he called into sudden and violent action every particle of reserve strength that was left in him it was then that his magnificent upbringing stood by him and the gift of a thousand years of unstained lineage lent him more than a wolfhound's strength and quickness so that almost within the passage of as many seconds he slew three full-grown dingoes precisely as a game terrier will slay three rats with one crushing snap and one tremendous shake to each starved though they were these dingoes weighed over forty pounds apiece yet when they met with their death between finn's mighty jaws their bodies were flung from him in the killing shake to a distance of as much as five yards and then there fell a sudden and complete stillness in that desert spot which had seen the end of six lives in as many minutes besides the final falling of the master which implied finn knew not what finn fell to licking the master's white blood-flecked face where it lay on the ground and at that the waiting crows settled down upon the bodies of the outlying dingoes so that their dead sightless eyes were made doubly sightless in a moment after long licking or licking which seemed to him long finn pointed his nose to the brazen sky and lifted up his voice in the true wolfhound howl which is perhaps the most penetratingly saddening cry in nature End of chapter thirty two